Reserve Bank continues its all-out assault on inflation. Inflation really is a, a thief. They didn't forecast the inflation which is currently broken out. Um, so now they're more in a back-to-the-wall situation where expectations have got away on them. And uh, the more they raise interest rates, the more they risk uh, precipitating recession. The warnings of a hike in the official cash rate started more than a year ago. It's seven years since the Reserve Bank last raised its official cash rate, the OCR, currently sitting at 0.25%, but higher rates here and around the world are on the horizon. The first rise kicked in late last year, and the rate kept going up, and up. The Reserve Bank has raised the official cash rate to 2.5%. It's the highest rate since 2016. At a time when uh, half of all existing home loans are due to be refixed in the next 12 months. There was another round last week. One big story today, Giles. The Reserve Bank has hiked rates again. Yes, it was on the cards. Uh, the Reserve Bank was universally expected to raise the cash rate by 50 basis points to 3%, that's the highest since mid-2015. And get this, there's more to come. This is a bit like uh, the management approach that the beatings will continue until morale improves. It's because of this. To shoot in one year from 1.5% inflation slash cost of living increase a year ago to 6.9% now is a shock. Um, well, frankly, not just to those who only have ever known low inflation the past sort of three decades, but for the rest of us as well. Of course, inflation has climbed even higher to 7.3%, and this is what's behind it. New Zealanders, on average, have spent an extra four to $5,000 in the past year on basics, including food, rent and fuel. In the words of the Reserve Bank Governor, Adrian Orr... It's not fun, but there is a significant slowing that is needed to get inflation back in its box. But why do homeowners with mortgages have to be punished so harshly? I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly and today on The Detail, the power of the Reserve Bank of New Zealand and why critics are getting stuck in. You have to wonder if or having thrown so much printed help at the economy, is now in the tricky position of having to fix his own mess while pretending it's not that big a deal. Welcome to Te Pūtea Mātua, the Reserve Bank of New Zealand, and we're here with regards to our monetary policy statement that went live at 2pm today. I used to cover all of those policy statements and the financial stability things. Oh, and did all you? Of that sort of stuff. Yeah, oh, but you know what it's all about, about then. Paul McBeth is acting head of news at Business Desk. As much as a journalist oh, does. I know. I mean, we're all a little ignorant of what the real sort of goings are. Have you ever been to their offices? I mean, when they have their press conferences, are they actually at, it's number two, the terrorist, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, on the ground floor. And what they used to do up until, I think, 2016 was have them in the morning, you'd have a lock-up. So from 7 o'clock until 9 o'clock, you'd have the documents under embargo, bashing away your sort of thing, trying to work out what was going on. And uh, it would go live at 9am, so all of the wire agencies would be on the phones yelling down the numbers because they didn't necessarily have the systems in place to have a direct feed. And then the governor would come out and read the statement and open up the floor to questions. And you'd get maybe 40 minutes of of to and fro with the governor and uh, their deputies. What are those offices like? Are they like any kind of Wellington bureaucratic? The ground floor is actually quite nice because they they have this museum on there as well, which has all of the history, all of these little machines. There's yeah. all of the old currencies that you'd see, the, the various dollars and pounds that they had. 
and the governor's offices are very plush, very old world. Uh, the hallway down to the conference room has portraits of all of the governors. And it feels like the Reserve Bank has a sort of mystique about it. It's not unfair to think of it like an ivory tower. And I think part of Adrian Orr's remit has been to tear some of that down. It is more of the people. It feels more like the New Zealand, Aotearoa New Zealand in the 21st century. We are adamantly not the fiscal gurus of Aotearoa New Zealand. We're monetary policy. We're just stating a bald fact that if spending's higher than otherwise, it means everything else changes as well. What is the job of the Reserve Bank? It, it's an independent body. It is. It, it, it changes over time. The uh, legislation, I think, got rewritten or went through Parliament last year. And it's still pretty much kept monetary policy, which is the amount of money flowing in the system. That's your, that's your general way of managing uh, prices. Like The more money in the system, which you do through lowering your interest rates so banks can lend out more, then presumably that'll end up in people's pockets. They'll spend more money. So then you know, more money out there, prices slowly go up to meet it. It's, it you boil it down to the old supply and demand graph, that's basically what they're trying to do. Yeah. In the current legislation, they've now introduced, uh, as part of that remit, ensuring maximum sustainable employment, which isn't new internationally because a lot of other central banks have employment targets. What that level is changes, and no one's ever really willing to say, oh, well, we think 2% unemployment is the, you know, that, that's the tolerable level because you know, it's, it's uh, just one of those statements that you never want to say that we want people out of work. Right, so the unemployment level doesn't have a fixed number, but the inflation target does. Not in the legislation, but in the policy target agreement. So when a governor comes in as appointed... Uh, the finance minister of the time will set particular target agreements with that. At the moment, they want consumer inflation, so that's the consumer's price index, a particular index which gathers a bunch of different um, general retail items and measures those prices. doesn't include resales of houses, so how we measure inflation isn't necessarily as accurate as it can be. Mm. And, and so at the moment it's 1% to 3% with a focus on the midpoint being 2%. And what they do within that is when they have their three-monthly uh, monetary policy statements like we had uh, just recently, they almost work backwards. So it's meant to be over the medium term because they'll, they'll look through various fluctuations of what that is and... They kind of ignore some of the imported inflation, so the stuff that we buy from overseas because our currency moves up and down and we don't really have a huge amount of control over what the major investment banks around the world want to do with it. Uh, so they plug in that 2% in, over the medium term being sort of three-ish three -ish years, two, three years, and work backwards what they need to do to get that to 2%. Mm -hmm. And so the official cash rate, which is... Um, that's what banks can borrow from uh, the Reserve Bank uh, over a very short-term type things. That, you plug in a number and then ultimately those numbers all align in a spreadsheet type thing. The official cash rate, 
What, what exactly is that? Because that's the thing that's being talked about over yeah. and over again, isn't it? The Reserve Bank has raised the official cash rate by 50 basis points to 3%. The bank has been raising the cash rate since last October. Taking the rate to its highest since mid-2015. What exactly is that? So it, it's the money that trading banks, being like ASB, ANZ, Westpac, um, BNZ, Kiwi Bank, that they can borrow the... Um, off the Reserve Bank for just their settlement type things. So it becomes the benchmark on how they can borrow money to then lend. Because they don't get all of their money from the Reserve Bank to to lend, it leads to other things. So they'll go out to international markets and borrow money from overseas if they can do it at a cheaper price than anything else. They'll, They'll look at those rates internationally plus what the Reserve Bank's doing makes them think about how much they will pay you and me to leave our cash at a term deposit for six months, 12 months, 18 months Mm. as a reference point to that. So it does have some real world effects, but it's also a a reference point for how they will then um, set their own interest rates. So as the the Reserve Bank raises the official cash rate, then uh, each of those banks pass on the rise in interest rate, whether you're borrowing or depositing to customers. And that's also far more closely aligned to a floating rate. The other th- interesting thing about the Reserve Bank, I mean, we're looking at Adrian Orr, the current governor now, but there's been some really interesting governors over the years. Alan Bollard and Graham Alan Wheeler. Bollard, I'm thinking Don Brash. Well, the former Reserve Bank governor, Don Brash, was met with cheers and sustained booing during a University of Auckland debate last night. The former National Party leader spoke in favour of the motion. Has PC culture gone too far to the point of limiting free speech. It seems to me that the protesters have absolutely proven the case. Does it take a certain person to be in that position? You are almost on par with a finance minister. A finance minister signs off on your fiscal policy being everything that government's going to spend their money on. The governor, up until we had the change in legislation was the sole decision maker uh, on monetary policy. They could take all of the advice they wanted, but it was their name on the uh, on the letter that was going to be moving the cash rate. You have to have supreme confidence in your own abilities to do that, to get to those sorts of positions. I mean, these are ambitious and intelligent people. Um, doing things often we can look in hindsight and, and point out their errors and what they got wrong. But in in the COVID crisis, how are you going to predict what happens when the world is shutting down? Yes, we acknowledge there are criticisms of us and all other central banks. Yes, we are a learning institution. Yes, I do regret that people are currently experiencing the ongoing tales of COVID and current high inflation. We have a pandemic that is encouraging everyone to print billions upon billions of made-up money uh, to try to keep things afloat. A significant challenge for any decision-maker, particularly with the lags that we have, is decisions now are impacting over the next 12 months to two years. So it's about playing the cards that are in your hand at the time as best as you can through time. Similarly, the, the Um, Christchurch earthquake came out of the blue just after the financial crisis. What are you meant to do in the event of your second biggest city being shut down? Uh, Unknown numbers of people dead. 
you just act uh, with the, the best information that you have to hand. Well, and pump money into the system. Well, make money cheap, pump it into the system. You can fix things later. I think part of the, the criticism at the moment of Adrian Orr is coming with a fair amount of hindsight. The Reserve Bank and other central banks have been denounced by the free market think tank, the New Zealand Initiative, for making serious mistakes, which led to inflation getting out of control. The paper released this morning says central banks were too confident in their abilities, their policies and their assumptions and forgot what their core jobs were. They have made mistakes and... uh, Some of the money printing didn't need to go on for as long as it did. The funding for lending program, which was for the banks to access cheap money, that maybe wasn't a necessary um, credit line. But at the time, we were still thinking that things could get really bad. And I remember distinctly that the, the Reserve Bank officials consistently said, this is, we're taking a least regrets approach. We will do anything we can. We're going to throw the kitchen sink. So be it. At the time... Was the Reserve Bank making these decisions independently or, you know, together with the finance minister and his people? There is a a sort of line in the sand between what the central bank does and and what government does. So they're not meant to uh, collude. Uh, But that's not to say that they shouldn't act in concert. Uh, At that time in 2020, sort of March, April, the government... um, writing massive cheques to keep people in work and the Reserve Bank slashing its interest rates and kicking off the fir- for the first time a money printing programme, those are appropriate things to do. You, mm. you weren't worried about balancing things out because it was a crisis. You, you, know, you do what you have to do in those instances. And now we're paying for it, basically. Oh, yeah. You know, it's kind of interesting about Adrian Orr because it feels like at the moment he he's almost getting as much flack as, as Ian Foster, the mm. All Blacks coach. I mean, he is coming in for a lot of criticism. What toll would you say has been criticised by your predecessors taken on you? And given the whole global situation of the past couple of years, do you feel that you some of this criticism has uh, scapegoated you as an individual and the Reserve Bank as an institution? Yeah. Uh, at the personal level, we expect um, to receive uh, plenty of insight and feedback and criticism that's um, party to the game. Um, it was timely, you know, all the recent stuff, because it is useful um, to feed into our monetary policy review. Um, I would make one statement that um, criticism is nice. Um, retaining integrity is really important to us here at the bank. And um, I know that uh, the Monetary Policy Committee uh, sleeps straight at night. We are following our remit as best as possible. He came into the role almost to, I think, shake things up. He, uh, he inherited a very big program of work. So before COVID, the Reserve Bank was looking at the rules around how much capital banks have to hold on their books. So... You'll have X amount of cash, um, but other forms of uh, borrowing for them to make sure that in the incredibly unlikely event that one of them fails, they have enough money to pay out to to depositors and such. And also making sure that if loans start failing, that's not going to end up making them insolvent. So we we were introducing uh, quite strict rules on how much capital the banks would have. 
and Adrian Orr picked a very big fight with four very big players. The Reserve Bank governor definitely thinks these banks are making too much money, uh, but it's more how they're doing this that he's worried about. He says they're not putting enough of their own money in, they're relying too much on borrowed money and that that's creating too much risk. The the Aussie banks, at least two of them were thinking seriously. Westpac said that it considered demerging its New Zealand arm. There was gossip that one or two of the others might have been having a think about whether or not it was worth their time to keep the New Zealand banking entity as as part of their group. So that was going on, this kind of setting new rules for Mm. the the big banks. And then shortly after, COVID happened. So then they were making big decisions about pumping money into the system to keep the economy afloat. Was that the, was that the thinking? Yeah, well, it, and they pushed back some of the work programmes that they had in place. So the banks have got a long time for the likes of those capital rules to come in. And the Reserve Bank just, you know, like all the other central banks around the world, kept cutting, kept cutting. Um, I mean, there was talk of negative interest rates at one point uh, and printed all of that money, which then has to go in to uh, find a home. So what we mean by printing money is that the government would issue bonds, the Reserve Bank would buy those bonds. So the money's kind of coming out of nowhere and then that ends up into the banking system so that the banks can then have that and then lend it out. So it it takes a while to feed into the system. It's slightly different to uh, the idea of uh, the, the things that come to mind are, you know, Vima Republic when the people with wheelbarrows full of cash are in Zimbabwe where they have the, you know, gajillion dollar note type thing. Um, this was intermediated by these financial institutions, which is part of the reason why that ends up going into assets. You've got all of this money looking for a home. Yeah. Um, it's not necessarily going to end up in people's bank accounts for them to spend on things, but it'll go into houses. Easier to borrow more money. Well, let's just whack another... $50,000 on the offer. you got X amount of money just sitting in a bank account with a zero interest rate. Well, let's chuck it in the stock market. Uh, all chasing a little bit of return. So it's not just house prices that have been part of that asset price inflation. Our stock market was pushed along on this, this wild ride of easy money. Um, and you know, the companies as well, they could access cheaper credit so they could do more stuff. Mm. Um, uh, and that's kind of the, the thinking behind it. To sort of look back and you go, well, yeah, we're, we're paying the price in the form of unsustainable asset prices that are divorced from reality. Uh, but we kept everyone in jobs who yeah. wanted a job, basically. Inflation really is a, a thief in the pocket. It's a thief for government as well. A lot of their nominal expenditure is literally just to maintain the real level of services they're delivering. So the quicker we get on top of inflation, the better fiscal policy is able to get on and do its job. The quicker that businesses stabilise their pricing expectations and people calm down on their wage expectations, uh, the more likely is we will have a recession-free period and plenty of employment. And we talk about Adrian Orr, but is he making these decisions alone? Not anymore. When the Labour government and Labour New Zealand First Coalition came in, they started looking at the Reserve Bank's enabling legislation. What they decided to do in in 2017, 2018 was look at that single decision maker and think, well, do we actually want one person to be carrying the can on this? So what we've done now is we've got a, a policy committee, which is, you know, the governor is probably the strongest voice in there but the deputies are in there as well Uh, they also have a treasury observer and there are also non 
bank members in there too. So they'll discuss all of the all of the forecasts and the thinking to and fro about the economic conditions before they settle on a decision. Incredible amount of power, isn't it? Oh, definitely. Is there no other way of bringing inflation under control, getting us all to stop spending? There is a very strong school of thought that says that raising the official cash rate and ultimately all other interest rates right now is the entirely wrong thing to do because all you're doing is hitting the demand side of things when everything that's slowing your economy down is on the supply side of things. So you can't get um, kit from overseas, you can't get staff, you can't get investment. So the cash rate does very well on the, on the demand side of things in, in stopping you and I from spending our money. But uh, it, it can't really affect too much on the supply side. And there are quite a few commentators who are pointing this out and saying that this is unnecessary to raise the cash rate now. Uh, you'll have to cut it again at some point because you're, you're directing us to a recession and maybe we do need to slow things down to get those prices under control. But this is the wrong way to do it. I think it's a valid argument. Um, I, I, I do struggle to wrap my head around how raising the interest rate at the moment will get on top of inflation. But what's the alternative? It, it, that sort of then gets into the thing about, well, the central bank can only do so much in terms of its monetary policy. Uh, this should be a fiscal response, i.e. the central government should be out there doing its thing to address these sorts of things. How does a little old country like New Zealand at the bottom of the world that already has um, issues securing things from overseas by virtue of being at the bottom of the world? Now, our moat helped us during COVID, but it, it has always been a hindrance for uh, competition. Uh, once, once someone can set up shop here, it's very hard to um, have a, a competitor come in because you've just got such long distances for things to travel. So coming back to the Reserve Bank and Adrian Orr, how would you rate how he's performed? He's made decisions with the best information that he had at the time and been bold in the way that he's gone about it and introduced a message that is very, that is more of the time. I, I mean, I'd give him a pass. That's it for today. I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly. The detail is public interest journalism funded through NZ On Air and produced by Newsroom for RNZ. You can get us downloaded free to your mobile device every weekday from any podcast platform. Today's episode was engineered by Jeremy Ansell and produced by Mark Jennings and Bonnie Harrison is our associate producer. And thanks to Paul Macbeth. Kakiti anō. Ka